Good morning. talking about vulnerability. I'm being a little vulnerable now because I don't know if I'm teaching for 15 minutes or 30 minutes. I guess we'll see. I'll just have to stop at some point if someone walks in and looks like they're the futures team. I don't know what the futures team looks like. Um, shiny suits from the future. Yeah. Okay. I'll know when I see it, right? Okay. If you've been with us, you know that for several weeks we've been trying to explore this notion of vulnerability and talking about the ways in which vulnerability is, is part of our humanity and that we have all kinds of ways of dealing with vulnerability, this capacity to be wounded. And one of the things we've talked about, what we've been moving towards here as we've moved towards Advent is, is trying to think about uh, not only do, what does vulnerability have to say about being human, but also what does it have to say about God's character? Given how much energy a lot of us sometimes expend trying to either deny our vulnerability or to protect ourselves from our vulnerability, um, it, it might be surprising and it might also be welcoming to discover that at the very heart of God's life, God's character, is deep vulnerability. And so that maybe, so that maybe, the vulnerability that we find at the center of our humanity is not an accident, right? Uh, that our vulnerability isn't even part of our fallenness. It's actually part of our being created in the image of God. And so in that sense, vulnerability, at least in some situations, maybe most situations, is something that we might embrace rather than avoid, deny, run away from. So we won't try to rehearse all the places that we've, we have been uh, over these past few weeks. Um, come in, come in. But today we want to, last week we, we talked a little bit about hope. And we talked about that at the heart of our hope is this notion that love, love requires us. The hope that we have is, is bound up with God's love for us, 
And that, that that love by its very character demands vulnerability. That God's, God's power, God's power is, is God's power to love in freedom. It's a, it's a shocking power. Uh, it's a power that we're reminded of all the time when we think about this, this story that we call the incarnation that Advent is preparing us for. This week in, in Advent, you know there are four themes in Advent and it depends. Every church kind of rotates them through a different order. There's no necessarily agreed upon order. Um, but there's hope, and there's peace, and there's joy, and there's love are the four themes of Advent. And I appreciate Judy's prayer this morning that touched on all of those. And this notion of, of peace we've talked about many times in here, that uh, the biblical notion of peace isn't simply uh, about the cessation, uh, it's not the absence of conflict. Uh, peace in the biblical notion isn't just the absence of conflict. Uh, it's the presence of something. It's not the absence of something. It's the presence of something. And it's the presence of wholeness and completeness and well-being. And one of the things that we, when we start thinking about, well, what does it mean to be whole as a human being? And what do we learn about that? in the Incarnation. And one of the things I think we all know deep down, if we, even if we don't say it enough out loud, is one of the things that makes for peace, for wholeness, is that we are, we are made for connection. Human beings are made for connection. Um, our well-being is inseparable from our connection with God. Our well-being is inseparable from our connection with one another. Our well-being is inseparable from our connection to the rest of the created order. Right? Um, it's easy to forget that. I mean, so this this is sort of full-orbed peace, this full-orbed wholeness that God desires for us. So when, when we speak of salvation in the Christian tradition, we're talking about this wholeness that God desires for us. God desires for us to be whole. We, we are broken. Our relationships are fragmented. Right? Our relationship with God there's a, there's a wound there. Our relationships with others, there are wounds there. Uh, we have a wounded relationship with the rest of the created order. The good news is that God is reconciling, restoring, healing, mending all things. And God does that by drawing near. Right? This is the, the story of Christmas, the incarnation, that God doesn't wave some magic wand, presumably, I mean, I don't know, not God, we're all grateful for that. Um, presumably God could have waved some magic wand and just, poof, 
everything would have been healed. Just been a magic trick. God, God doesn't heal that way. Um, because we are fundamentally, as human beings, made in the image of God, created for connection, God comes in the most intimate and vulnerable way. With such astonishing vulnerability that, again, if we hadn't heard the story so often, we'd, we'd miss it, right? And that is, I mean, think about what's, I'm thinking of, uh, we have a new baby in the class that was born this week, right? Yes, Brian's beaming back there. <laughs> Father, again, congratulations to you and your family. What is more vulnerable than a newborn infant? And that when, think about this, when God God decides, determines to draw near to us. The angel comes, right, the angel comes to Mary and announces to Mary that she's going to have a child. She's perplexed, unsettled, how can that be? How can that be? And, Mary, and the, the angel says, because the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And this child's going to be of God. It's going to be holy. And, and she consents. Right? She says, be it unto me as you have said. And the God of the universe, in some way that is beyond our imagining or understanding, takes flesh in the womb of a young, unwed girl in the middle of nowhere. Literally, connected to Mary, right? Talk about I mean, what, what is more intimate connection? Those of you who've had the, the joy and the trial of being mothers biologically, I mean, what, can, what deeper connection can there be than having another human being inside your body? A life that has no life apart from yours. Think about that. God, I mean, this is, this is extraordinary <coughs> mystery. When God comes to earth, God is so vulnerable. God, God the Son becomes incarnate in Jesus, and God is vulnerable enough to receive life. 
from a woman, from us, right? Incredibly vulnerable. Jesus literally tethered to the life of Jesus. Jesus tethered to, to Mary. Before Jesus can pour out his life for us, Jesus receives life from Mary. Think of the vulnerability of that. Son of God in the womb of Mary, completely dependent upon Mary's life. Mary's life-giving blood, nourishing Jesus. Jesus. Mary absorbing, we know the biology that Mary didn't know, right? Mary, Mary's body absorbing the waste and toxins of the baby Jesus in her womb, removing them, filtering them from her system, his system, right? I mean, this beautiful connection of the divine and human in the very womb of Mary. I think we don't often think about the vulnerability. For, for nine months, for nine months, Jesus is at home, connected quite literally to Mary. We don't know much about the early years of Jesus, fairly little. But the, the book of Hebrews suggests that, that Jesus experienced the full range of things that human beings feel and experience. It's hard to imagine that when he was a small child that he didn't um, he, that he wasn't, didn't have fears, right? That he didn't, um, that he didn't um, fall and, I mean, can we really imagine that Jesus didn't fall and scrape his knee? And, uh, and have to be, he found himself on, on Mary's lap, Mary wrapping herself tightly around him as he cried and she trying to soothe him. You know how you wrap yourself tightly around a child, hold them really tight. But now it's that connection again. We're made for connection. There's something comforting about being wrapped securely by another human being. We know this from a child. We know it as adults too. We just find it more awkward. Right? Because we're supposed to be independent. And yet we all know 
we all know the comfort of human touch. That has everything to do with connection. It's not just emotional connection, although it's that. I mean, God gave us bodies. We are in flesh creatures. God takes on flesh. There's nothing wrong with our flesh. And one of the ways that we express that connection is through human touch. We're vulnerable. We're vulnerable in those moments, aren't we, of human touch. Because the same, the same touch that can heal can also, can also wound. And that's, this is the vulnerability that, you know, the very freedom that makes love possible is the same freedom that makes wounding possible. And we have, we have these deep fears. And all of them have to do with connection. A lot of us, when I was reading through the cards that you all gave me at the beginning of this series about vulnerability, I asked you to say a little bit about uh, what, what, when are some of the times you feel most vulnerable? Um, a number of them had to do with the uh, fear of rejection, right? Um, all of us have been rejected at some point in our lives, and it, it leaves a wound. It leaves a wound. And what's, what's really at the heart of that fear, of course, right, is the, the fear that that connection will be severed. Right? We've all had an experience of being closely connected to someone and then rejected, and that connection is severed. We wonder what that says about us. Are we not worthy of genuine, life-giving connection? Or we have the fear, fear of failure. <clears throat> now we know that our we know that our that our touch can give life. We also know we can wound, but the tricky part is that sometimes our wounds are an act of love. This is where it gets paradoxical, right? I mean, but we all know this at some level. Um, when, when a friend speaks truth into my life, hard truth, right? When a colleague comes up to me and says, you know, the other day when you were in that meeting, um, you were kind of a jerk. <laughs> right? Uh, I think you could have handled that differently. Oh, that hurts. Right? That wound, that hurts, right? But they're not, they're saying that for my good. I know that. Right? Um, 
I'd be lying and say I'm not wounded, but they're not wounding me to hurt me. They're wounding me for my wholeness. Right? That I might live more fully into my wholeness. Every parent who has to discipline a child in some ways knows this danger. Right? And what we often don't remember is, is the one who's doing the wounding is vulnerable. I mean, most of you here have agreed to uh, come under the surgeon's knife. I was thinking about Jeff's comment, um, talking about that he feels vulnerable when he does surgery. And you're thinking, I'm thinking I should be the one who feels vulnerable. <laughs> but the more I thought about this week, as I, as I was thinking about this, you know, even when you, when you discipline a child, you know there's a danger there. What if they receive it wrongly? Or what if I do it wrongly? Right? I mean, Jeff's vulnerable when he does surgery, or John's vulnerable when he does surgery, because you, you are wounding for their wholeness, but you also know you're, you're human. Right? You can make a mistake. And even though you're trying to wound for their wholeness, what if you make it worse? That's possible. Just like if I try to discipline a child for their good, I, it's possible I could make it worse. So there's vulnerability in that. There's, there's vulnerability in that. And we often don't think about that. I had the uh, privilege of being in court for the first time this week. What did I do? In that vulnerable moment. Yeah. What did I do was uh, I had a daughter. That's what I did. So I got to accompany my daughter uh, to juvenile court. Um, first time to be in a courtroom. And uh, it was an education. Um, some of you have been there. She had an automobile accident. She rear-ended somebody. And if you're 17 years old, that, that gives you a reservation to talk with the judge. <laughs> right? So we kept that reservation. And, um, and she was, I mean, the judge was incredibly pastoral. And I, I mean that. I mean, I've never been so thankful that somebody like her was sitting in that seat. I, I don't know how she could have been any better at what she does than what she did, right? Um, she was, everything that she said was clear this is for your good. She never said that explicitly, but you didn't even have to listen very hard to get the clear. This was not about punishing you because you're bad. This is about, this is for your good. And yes, it's hard to be here. And yes, we're going to restrict your driving and that's going to, you know, but it's for your good. 
she was she was perfect uh, in, in that. And there was a little bit of wounding in that. Um, but that was for Sarah Ann's good. It was. Um, now there's no guarantee. Right? There's no guarantee that it will be for her good. Uh, but that's part of the vulnerability. Right? I mean, when you love, when you care, when you try to connect, when you try to act on behalf of someone and for their good, there's no guarantee that it will ultimately turn out for their good. All of us have had, if you've had children, grandchildren, there have been times when we have been disappointed. And it's hard not to think what did I do wrong? Am I to blame? That's natural. There's, how can we not think that? But often it's, we love in freedom and they have the freedom to receive that love or not. And we see that in, in God. I mean, God could have come in the way that I would have come. And maybe you, had we been scripting this drama. If you're coming once to earth to show humanity your desires, to reveal yourself, let people know what God's about. Are you waiting incognito in the womb of Mary for nine months? And then when you appear, everyone thinks, well, you can't be anything. You're from Nazareth. You're from Irwin. <laughs> right? What good ever came out of Irwin? <laughs> right? I lived there for five years, I can say that. Right? Yeah. That's what they were saying about Jesus, right? I mean, literally, they were saying, what good ever came out of Nazareth? And you're, I mean, think about the deck that's stacked against you. I mean, in the ancient, in the ancient world of Jesus, um, yeah, see what happens. Starts smearing Irwin, the world falls apart. I mean, the way the way you uh, in the ancient world where there were lots of gods, um, it was typical if if a empire king defeated you, then you typically adopted their gods because that must be the real god because that god's got power. Right? Um, so that, so your god, you're thinking, I'm, I'm coming into that world whereas I want people to embrace the true god. How do I do that when their imagination is well, 
you got you got to win this way. And this God comes lowly, weak, vulnerable, from out of where, out of the place nowhere, to a teenage, unwed mother. That doesn't sound like a recipe for success in trying to convince people that somehow Jesus is this God incarnate. It's incredibly risky, seems to me, adventure, but because God wants us to love in freedom too. If God's power, if God's power is God's desire to love in freedom, that's where God's true power is, as we talked about last week. Then maybe that's our power too. That's where our life is, is in the capacity to freely choose to love. That can't be coerced. You know that. I know that. You can't coerce someone to love you. God can't even do that. Because right? that wouldn't be love. We know that. And so God takes this enormous risk to come in this incredibly counterintuitive way, this lowly way, this weak, seemingly weak way, vulnerable way, with the hope that we will have eyes to see. Maybe this is the way that leads to life. So Jesus shows us God's vulnerability. Jesus has experienced our vulnerability. It's easy to forget. I forget all the time, just the range of vulnerability that Jesus has experienced. We reminded ourselves a couple weeks ago of Jesus being alone in the garden, right? He had asked for his friends to be with him. Jesus, in his most vulnerable moment, facing death, wants connection, right? Something beautiful about that, right? Don't, I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard, isn't it, when, when you're going through trials? We, we, we have this tug of war with connection. On the one hand, we long for people who understand us to be connected with us. But there's also vulnerability. For, to have people see me in the midst of my trial, my struggle, that's hard. It's hard. We have this tug of war. Uh, 
we feel it all the time in this class, don't we? I mean, when we're, I mean, one of the, one of the things this class does beautifully is the way that, that you tend to each other in illness, in, in the fear of uh, a cancer diagnosis and treatment. But there's this, this anxiety. We both, we want human connection, but we're also afraid to be seen in our weakness, in our vulnerability, in our fear. It's a beautiful thing to allow other people to be present to us in our weaknesses. There's something incredibly vulnerable about that. There's also something vulnerable about being with someone who's hurting, who's afraid, who's not sure of what the future will bring. There's vulnerability on both sides of that. You probably know, if you don't, I hope you'll appreciate this, you know, Christians invented the hospital. Right, we sometimes forget that. Go back in history, Christians invented the hospital. And the reason they invented the hospital was not to cure people. They invented the hospital because they thought people should not be alone when they're not well. It's about connection. It wasn't about curing people. Nothing wrong with curing people. <coughs> but the truth of the matter is there's what we most want is not to be alone. And that's not weakness. Right? That's the hard part, because in our culture, which teaches us to be independent and to take great pride in that, it feels like that desire to be alone is somehow weakness. It's not weakness. What we see in Jesus, we see this, that our humanity is about connection. And the reason our humanity is about connection is because God created us in God's image. And God's very being is about connection. God is more connected to everything there is than any of us will ever be. We are created. Those connections are beautiful. I feel sure that if you were to list the things in life that you find most beautiful, connection is right there. Connection is right there. Connection is vulnerable. It is. But it's also the most beautiful things about our lives. And so, as we continue deeper into this Advent season, may, may we have the courage 
May we have the courage to embrace our vulnerability, to cherish these life-giving connections, to realize that we, we are the recipient of that life-giving connection. We also offer life to others through those life-giving connections. May we be willing to be embraced in our vulnerability. May we allow other people to be connected to us in the midst of our vulnerability. And may we continue to be agents of God's shalom and peace and wholeness as we connect with those who are most vulnerable among us. Let's pray. God of grace and mercy and astonishing vulnerability. We give you thanks that you have created us for connection. We give you thanks that you have drawn near to us. That you have lived our vulnerability. That you have embraced it. May we see that all that makes us more human, including our vulnerability, all that makes us more human, like Jesus was human, makes us more like you, makes us more like Jesus. Give us the courage to welcome other people into our vulnerability to encourage those life-giving connections and give us the courage and the wisdom and the compassion to be with those around us who fear the loss of connection. In all of this, may we be wrapped in wonder, O oh God, that you love us this much. May we be filled with great joy. We pray this through Christ. Amen. Amen.